Welcome once again. Please sit comfortably. Um, Coming here to the Zendo is part of your practice. Uh, The Zendo means the way of Zen. Do is way, just as Chado is the way of tea. Karate Do is the way of Karate. Judo is the way of... These are all ways of living, of being. And so when you make your way, make your way to the Zen Do, you are following the way of Zen. So it's not just sitting at home on your cushion. It's making your way to the Zendo to be part of the Sangha. And the Sangha being one of the three jewels of our practice. And being with Sangha in mutual support of practice is part of your practice. So thank you for being here, making your way to the Zendo where we continue on our way in this wonderful practice. So I've been trying to respond in my Dharma talks to uh, issues that have come up either at tea or in Dokusan, um, trying to respond to the concerns of the Sangha rather than uh, imposing my issues and what I'd like to talk about, which I do also fairly regularly. But last week uh, at tea, the issue of praise arose. And one of the one of the things that we think is wonderful is to be able to praise other people. Uh, and one of our precepts in Zen practice is no praise, no blame. No praise, no blame. Well, we can sort of see how maybe no blame would be a good thing to observe. But no praise, <clears throat> what, I mean, that's a wonderful thing to be able to praise someone else. One of the major issues around receiving precepts is that we try to minimize the sense of a separate self. Actually, the two, two aspects of the ten pure mind precepts that I think ground those precepts as a way of life is that we are not separate We don't have a separate self, and that we are taken out of the present moment. So those precepts are designed to guide us toward avoiding the sense of separateness and avoiding not being present each moment. Praise is one of those 
behaviors that contributes to the sense of self. So that when you, when you direct your, your praise towards someone and you say, you're a great, you're a great cook or you're a great teacher or you're a great um, mother or you're a great daughter uh, or son, that can easily contribute to the strengthening of self, of self-centeredness. Because we love to, to get a sense that we are, uh, we are good, we are great. And the ego is easily, easily gets triggered when we hear somebody praise us. We may, we may not want that to happen, but it often does, more frequently than, than it doesn't. So we feel, we feel great about ourselves, we feel good about ourselves. And that, that is a form of inflation, of inflating the ego. The more we get praise, the more our ego becomes inflated. Well, why is that? Why is that not a skillful thing to do? Because it creates suffering. Because once we focus on our our need for praise or our our um, our sense of welcoming praise, we continue to build self. We continue to build uh, our ego, our sense of who we are. And we need more and more. Once we, once, we, once we depend upon praise for our self-worth, it is never-ending. We're always looking for it. And why is that? Because the ego is endlessly hungry for inflation, for affirmation. And why is that? Because it doesn't exist. Because the ego doesn't exist. And it's a construction. It's not a real part of who we are. And so the moment we stop feeding it with praise, it, it has to face its demise. It, is, it, it, it needs that continuous affirmation in order to thrive because it is what we call in, in Zen practice a hungry ghost. A hungry ghost is a, a sort of a non-existent being who has an infinite appetite but has a very small gullet so that no matter how much you feed it, it can't quite digest everything. But it has a, an enormous belly. It has an enormous hunger, but it can never be satisfied. No matter how, because it has a very tiny, tiny gullet. So one of the reasons 
praise is not encouraged in our practice is that it it tends to inflate a sense of self that really doesn't exist and so we we uh, we suffer because there's never enough praise where I'm we're always looking for it we're always hungry for it sometimes we can say well we praise others praise and blame we praise others and blame ourselves that's one dynamic that we can we can generate well I'm not going to praise myself but I'm going to praise others and blame myself well praising others is feeding feeding their egos and it's also feeding ours because we give ourselves the authority to make judgments about other people that they deserve our praise or like being a teacher you know I'm going to I'm giving this person an A because I have the authority to make judgments about them so I praise and that's great because I'm selfless I'm praising others and I'm blaming myself I'm taking the blame in Tibetan practice there's that drive all blames into one well in Zen practice that that can be regarded if it's not done in the right way as a kind of inverse narcissism I I'm going to take all the blame I'm going to be I'm going to be the martyr again a a sense of self that isn't inflated in an obvious way that I'm the greatest but I'm the worst I'm 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 the one I'm I'm always wrong it's always my fault that's also selfing we're always selfing we're always trying to construct this self that doesn't exist so what about praising ourselves and blaming others a lot of people do that you know you you don't you're not getting the fuel for your ego so you have to give it to yourself oh I'm the greatest and we can point our fingers at certain national figures who who may make me use of this somehow uh, you know there's an infinite hunger for the ego's satisfaction and we're not getting enough of it from others so we we do it for ourselves and also you know it's not my nothing is my nothing is my fault I'm I'm perfect and it's the fault of everybody else so we're we're blaming everybody else and that's also a reflection of a self of of the building of a self this starts very early you know these these what I'm saying no praise seems really counterintuitive a lot of things in Zen are counterintuitive like what seems to be wonderful is actually turns out not to be so wonderful and I like to tell the story of there are actually 
two um, two accounts that I experienced myself. Myself, uh, one of our sangha members many years ago brought her little um, eight-month-old baby to visit here, and her name was Lucy. And I was holding Lucy and um, enjoying having this little toddler in my arms. And I did with Lucy what I did with my own daughter. I brought sort of brought her around to various items, and I said, "Lucy, this is this is a table, and Lucy, this is this is a these are keys. These are keys." And she would kind of look and. This is an apple. And I would go around naming things. And then we came to a mirror. And I held her up to the mirror and said, This is Lucy. <laughs> and there was a kind of glazed look in her eye. She wasn't, it's like a cat, putting a cat up to a mirror and saying, Look! <laughs> there was no response. And I kept saying, look, look at Lucy, isn't she pretty, isn't she cute? That's Lucy, and still nothing. (laughs) Sort of glazed look, and I was getting really frustrated. uh, (laughs) Because, you know, I was was really teaching her something. Giving her some great insight as a little toddler. And then it hit me. And the more I tried to get her to register the fact that this was a separate self. This was a Lucy. I realized, my God, what am I doing? This is exactly what Zen is trying to not do. (laughs) Not, Not help us separate ourselves from the world. And it was a, it was a, a moment of awakening for me to realize that this is what our whole culture is doing. By, by beginning to name us, that's the first thing. And I remember that this, this line, who was it, um, poet, a rose by any other name is still a rose? Mm-hmm. Um, Shakespeare. Pardon? Shakespeare, I think. Maybe, yeah. Shakespeare. I, 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 you're the authority. Um, so we, we're naming things, and we identify with our name as if that sep- that gives us a separate being, um, and so that starts very early. And the other experience I had was watching um, uh, a friend of mine's child. Uh, we would take them to the park, the little children. And they would be playing in the sandbox as little toddlers. And they were just completely absorbed in what they were doing. They you know, were just engaged in the world, but didn't have a sense, they didn't seem to have a sense of competition or, um, or that this is mine and this is not mine. They were just engaged. And then after... After they started school, we took them to the park, and one of them was swinging on the swings and and 
calling out to her mother, Mom, watch me. See how high I can swing. <laughs> see, see, watch, see me, see me. And I remember certainly as a, in, the, in my first experience in elementary school, I had made this elephant puzzle. And my teacher thought that this elephant puzzle was just the greatest thing. And this is, I remember this. And she, she told me to go around to all the, the classes and show them this elephant puzzle I had made. And my God, I mean, I remember that to this day because it, it fed my, and it still feeds my ego. Like it, it was part of my education in separation, my education in separation. And so praise really does begin to separate, to separate us. So in the deeper sense, in a deeper sense in Zen, if you understand, not just intellectually, but experientially, that you are made up, you are made up of all non-you elements. Remember, Thich Nhat Hanh has this wonderful example of a piece of paper, and he holds it up and he says, you know, what is this piece of paper? How does it come to exist? And he traces it back to sunshine and rain and the mill and the trees and uh, the history of, of paper making and that without all of that, this doesn't exist. Well, the same is true for us. When somebody praises us, it's like, where is that praise going? It can go to the ego, which we keep constructing and endlessly constructing, or it can go out (laughs) into all the stuff that isn't us. Because without all of that, there is no me. So, you do nothing, you do nothing on your own. There's nothing that you do that you can take credit for. (laughs) Because there is no you to take credit for. That's the deepest understanding of Zen. So, you can accept, you could say, you can accept praise on behalf of the universe. Yeah. Bring it on. And I'll accept it on behalf of all beings. And not allow it to settle into your ego. I had another experience recently. and You know, I have been um, ordained, uh, uh, transmitted, as a Dharma heir and art lineage. And Angyo, uh, who now is, is studying to be a priest, 
when he first saw me coming back from California, having been ordained, he made three full prostrations in front of me. And <laughs> just like, my God, I, I was hoping there would be a trap door <laughs> that would just open and I would just fall through it. Um, but on the other hand, it was like, whoa, this is pretty special. So I had this real conflict. I could feel how my ego was kicking in. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really special now. <laughs> this person who I respect, you know, was bound. And the, on the other hand, I felt, my God, you know, I'm just a kid from the Bronx. What are you doing? And, and I sat with that for a long time. You know, trying to understand what what was going on in me, and I just came to the conclusion that Angyo was not bowing to me. He was bowing in front of me. He was bowing in front of me, and needed to bow to something so much greater than I am. And I simply was the occasion for him to express his respect, his honoring of this practice, of this lineage. So how can we genuinely support one another without Praising. That's this sixty-four thousand or million-dollar question. <laughs> One of the ways is an expression of gratitude. When instead of saying, "You make you're the greatest flower arranger." that I've ever, you know, you're, you're just great at that. That is re, responding to the person rather than saying, I feel so grateful for the beauty of that flower arrangement. Leaving the person out completely. What is it in the Bible? By their works you shall know them. By their works you shall know them. So focus one's attention on the works rather than the person. I'm thankful. Thank you. When you say thank you for this wonderful meal, you're actually expressing a kind of selflessness on your part. You're saying, you have given a gift, and I'm grateful for it. And you're also allowing the person who made the meal not to take it, or at least giving them the chance, not to take it as a personal um, inflation. So what you're saying is you have given a gift 
And I appreciate the gift. And I am, I'm not, I'm not encouraging you to build this sense of self, which is just a, a personal self-centeredness that, oh, I'm a great cook. So you're not really saying, you're a great <coughs> cook and making it personal. You're saying, this was an excellent meal. And allowing that openness, allowing that person to experience their selflessness instead of building, building up their self, you are saying, thank you for this gift. And that makes the person focus more on their generosity than on their personal skills. One of the ways also that in our practice we can support one another and it's support one another not by, not by strengthening our egos, each other's egos, but by being with each other, by saying, let's, let's do something together. Let's, um, let's pay attention to each other. Um, so giving the person a sense of self-worth not by praise, but by your desire to be with them, <laughs> by the, the attention that you give them. Uh, that's something real. It's very easy to say, oh, you're the greatest, you're the greatest person. I just think you, you're tops. You know, you're, you're, <laughs> no, no, you know, you're great at this. Um, and nobody's better than you are but never having anything to do with that person. Just eat, just throwing out the words. But do I want to engage with you? Do I want to um, go out for lunch with you? Do I want to work with you? No, but you're the greatest. So giving a person real attention is a way of giving them your, your praise. It, valuing them. I, I value you because I'm paying attention to you. Or just even giving someone a hug. You know, you're... I like you. It's, it's not just... They're not just empty words, which are very easy to do, very easy to give, but not so easy to give your attention, your time... And uh, one of the things that, um, one of the sayings in what used to be the San Francisco Zen hospice program was, how can you, how can you be with someone who is dying and support them without, without whitewashing the death, whitewashing this process? And the saying that they used was, stay close, do nothing. Stay close, do nothing. That is hard.
staying with something, staying with someone without having to say anything, without having to, to support them verbally, just being there can be, just being there with someone can be a profound expression of support. So what I'm inviting us to do is to investigate those assumptions that we have about our lives and about our relationships with other people that seem so obvious. Yeah, it's great to praise people and I love to be praised. And I can feel how good it, it makes me feel. And I can feel how good it makes the other person feel. But to look more deeply into that and see how that might actually be a source of suffering or a reflection of suffering and how praise doesn't necessarily relieve suffering it actually may contribute to it. So our practice is to investigate everything, not to take anything on authority, not to take anything that's commonly, that's commonly promoted or accepted as something we should engage with, that we should make part of our lives but investigate everything because there's a tremendous amount of suffering right now in the world and in individual lives and praise isn't necessarily the way to address it we have to go deeper and we have to work in a way harder that it 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 in a way, it's an easy way to, to try to support someone, is to just continue to praise, to praise them. And you discover that perhaps that isn't, that isn't going to solve the problem, or that isn't going to be the best way of supporting each other. So, may all beings be happy.